this week on the Backtable Podcast. Every year we hold this IR World Tour where we have people from different continents, different regions talk about what our society is doing, how their trainees are involved. I think this year we had people from Europe, Middle East, Canada even speak about what they've done. So it was a really eye-opening experience. Welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things endovascular or otherwise minimally invasive. You can find all previous episodes of the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or backtable.com. Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or reach out to us on Twitter or email to let us know how we can make this a more valuable resource for the endovascular community. Now, a brief message from our sponsor. RadPad was developed by physicians for physicians, clinically proven radiation protection during cine and digital subtraction and geography. Don't bet your career or your health on anything less. Trust RadPad radiation protection shields for all your fluoro-guided interventions. See radpad.com for more information and contact info at radpad.com for a free radiation evaluation and a no-brainer radiation protection cap. And don't forget to tell them that you heard about it on the Backtable podcast. Now, back to the episode. This is Michael Barraza returning as your host. I'm excited to welcome Justin Guan to join us on the podcast to talk about the SIR Global IR Training Network. Justin, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Michael. Uh, happy to be on the show. So you're telling me you were, uh, you were in Korea recently. You're just getting back. Yeah, I just went there for the Asia Pacific IR conference. It happened in Seoul this year. Yeah, every year they hold a different place in Southeast in Asia. So it was a fun trip. How was it? How was the conference? It was very fun, very fun. Learned a lot. The conference was very well structured and got to see a lot of Korea that I've been wanting to see. So great experience. It's probably pretty exciting stuff to see in terms of the conference too. I mean, uh, in Southeast Asia, they are doing some pretty exciting things in IR that some of which hasn't really made it to the mainstream in the United States. Yeah, no, I, I was strolling through the different booths and I saw, for instance, Trumo had know, this 1.9 French microcatheter and microwire system that I don't think we have in the U.S., but it, they were able to have me try navigate through a couple of different degrees of like small branches, which I don't think is like possible with the tools I've used before. But yeah, it was pretty cool to see. It's probably great for the MSK embolizations that are getting done out there to a very exciting degree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually talked to Dr. Kuno, who I think wow. started the genetic artery yeah. embolus. <laughs> Yeah, in Japan a while back. So it was a great experience. Good, man. So tell me where you are now. Yeah, so right now I'm working at Cleveland Clinic. I'm about two years in after a fellowship training, one of the associate staff physicians there. And tell me, you know, a lot of our listeners are trainees. And just for them, I was hoping you could tell them a little bit about Cleveland Clinic's training program. Yeah, we have a very robust training program in the sense that we have a huge case volume. And so we have six floral procedure rooms and main campus and two CT procedure rooms. And then we have a number of regional hospitals we also cover. I think at any point we have a few trainees rotating on IR at any given point. So one person's doing console pager during the day. And really it seems to me that the trainees get their pick of, you know, what cases they want to see depending on what's happening that day. That's cool. So I, I think it's a great experience for them. And then what about you? Are there any particular areas of clinical interest for you? Yeah, um, I, I think we have a large group. I think right now there's 19 of us. We're actually hiring three more this summer. 
so yeah, some of us get into specific niches. I think right now, you know, we all kind of do the bread and butter IR, everything that happens on call. Certain things that I'm kind of particularly interested in currently, I'm doing glangioscopy or biliary endoscopy procedures and also prostate artery in both. Good deal, man. Well, let's talk a little bit about the SIR Global Training Network. When did you get involved with that? Yeah, so the Global Training Network was created actually during this most recent leadership term with Dr. Sophocles as the international chancellor. They kind of restructured the the structure of the international division, and the Global Training Network is a committee that came out of that. Dr. Sophocles is kind of the head of the international chancellor, and then we have Shams Iqbal. He's the international education liaison. And Global Training Network, it was kind of created out of the thought that we need uh, an entity that helps spread IR education globally. Some of the things we were trying to address right now, you know, there is overall insufficient training opportunities available worldwide, and there's just a huge variation in the kind of training that residents and fellows get in the place that have training. So we're trying to basically expand IR's footprint globally, and one of the main things the ways to do that is to try to make IR training available in as many countries as possible. Have you guys come up with any ideas or initiatives for how you hope to enact that? Yep. So this past year, we actually passed a couple major initiatives that was approved by the ISR leadership. So what, when we're trying to improve the current status, you know, we have to recognize what are the problems or the issues we need to address. The three major things that keep coming up, number one, is that the IR services generally is, is insufficient worldwide. If you look at the World Health Organization data, they say that over 4 billion people do not have access to essential radiology resources. And that it doesn't include IR as well. So, you know, we can assume that even more than that don't have access to IR procedures. And then number two, you know, the, the, recently there is, a, there is a paper that came out. It's actually still impressed from JVIR. It was created by Dr. Chick, his team, and they actually surveyed in the U.S., just in the U.S., probably one of the most developed IR countries in the world, the people who are aware of IR's availability. They basically had the U.S. population kind of take a survey. They found that even though the vast majority, like 92% of the population would say they'd rather have minimally invasive IR procedures done by interventional radiologists when they had a choice between that and undergoing surgery by surgeons, only 40% of the people knew of the specialty of IR. And when they actually asked those 40% of people, you know, what kind of procedures do IR do? Most of them actually didn't have a clue. <laughs> so, you know, they asked the question of what we can do to improve IRs, the public's awareness of IR. And they said that things like education resources, like short videos, pamphlets, and also being told by their primary care physicians about what IR offers, that would be all helpful. So that comes to show that even in the U.S. where you know IR is so developed, probably a lot of primary care providers and patients don't know what we offer. So that's the number two problem. The third one is the data about what countries have IR training, what countries don't, what IR capabilities are there. If there's lacking IR services, what the reason is for that, whether it's lack of training, a lack of resources, funding, all of that, we just don't know. And so really the first step to figure out how we can address these issues is to really understand what the data is and what countries have IR training, what countries don't, and the countries that don't, what the reason is for that. So that's why the first major initiative that we have passed this last year is this Global Training Networks, the Global IR Survey. 
And it's just to understand the current status. Questions like in the place that you train or where you practice, is IR training available? Is there a dedicated residency training program? What services are performed in your location? And what are the major challenges in further expansion of IR in your region? Those kind of questions, which I think would be extremely helpful for us to at least get a basic understanding of globally. Absolutely. Yeah. And then on top of that, in order to put deficiencies or differences into perspective, what's also really important to have is international exchange, face-to-face talking about what training is like in your area versus ours. The other major initiative that was passed is the, it's called the Global IR Juniors Summit. This was actually started by IR trainees in the UK and the PEM Arab Society a couple of years ago. They actually started holding this annual summit where trainees got together once a year and discussed what the similarities and differences were like in IR training. And then the challenges, again, of how IR, what's preventing IR from expanding. The first two years, actually, they held it online. The first year was hosted by Paris, and then the second year was hosted by Cersei. But this year, we actually got approval from SIR with SIR's buy-in to be held at the SR conference. So we actually held it last month at Phoenix. Every year has been great turnout, been extremely wonderful experience, really thanks to our training leaders, Monica Matsumoto, Tarek Alakim, um, Ayat Abigail. They, they're the co-chairs, prior co-chairs and current co-chairs of the RFS International Outreach Committee. They've been kind of like the main drivers of that initiative. So kudos to them. I think it's been a very wonderful initiative to be a past. So yeah, those are the two main things that were passed last year. So what did you guys do at this year's summit? What was the main focus of the meeting? It was a half-day summit this year. It was actually the first hybrid meeting. So we actually had people in attendance at the conference and people who joined in online. Every year we hold this IR world tour where we have people from different continents, different regions talk about what our society is doing, how their trainees are involved. I think this year we had people from Europe, Middle East, Canada even speak about what they've done. So it was a really eye-opening experience. It's fascinating. I bet it's very heterogeneous and, you know, in terms of training and, and what people do. I mean, just seeing on Twitter and, you know, listening to people talk at conferences and seeing what they do, it's really variable what interventional radiology is doing worldwide. And I would imagine that is probably one of the challenges you guys face in really trying to provide outreach globally is understanding that it's different everywhere you go. And even in the United States, what IR does can vary wildly from one hospital to the next, depending on the needs of the patient population. Right. So I think the U.S. is actually very well developed in that regard. You know, even though each hospital may have different exposures for trainees, we created a national expectations nationally, you know, what things you need to know in order to pass the boards. We actually have the accreditations for training programs and the ABR to make sure everyone is on the same page in terms of their abilities. But yeah, when you go to other regions of the world, you know, in Europe, I think every country kind of their practice is different. I think Europe is also well-developed in that in the sense that they also have created an accreditation council and ways to test their IR trainees. But when you get to areas like Africa, there's in most countries, there's no IR training program. Specific, more developed countries do but there's really a huge heterogeneity. Most places actually just doesn't have IR capabilities available. People have no idea what IR offers. In Southeast Asia as well, you know, some developed countries like Japan, South Korea, Singapore, you know, they, Taiwan, they have really good training programs, but in other countries, the IR capabilities are lacking. Justin, so for 
IR trainees or even medical students or people in practice, how would one get involved with the SIR Global Training Network, even both within and outside of the United States? Yeah, so I actually did send a link for the survey. I would actually ask every single person who has the time. You know, the survey is very brief. We made it very simple, very short, as short as possible. If we make it too long, we're not going to have as many respondents, but it's five minutes. It's five minutes long. We've actually so far had about 260 respondents. Probably 261 now. (laughs) Great. Perfect. 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 Thank you for filling that, Michael. The more, the better. Please fill out that, that survey to help us better understand, especially where you're training, where you're working, what IR is like. On top of that, there's a couple of things we're working on currently. One is true to the name Global Training Network. We're actually trying to create a database of contact, a network, so to speak, of different IR physicians, practicing attending level or consultant level physicians around the world who are interested in clinical exchange, providing observerships for trainees who might be interested or who are interested in international research collaboration. And I can actually send that link to you or if anyone who's interested, contact me you know, on Twitter or email me. I can add you on. There's actually a separate link where you just fill out your contact, where your interests are, where your location can provide. We can add you to the database. Our hope is that once we have a good resource there, we can use it actually as a way to connect mentors, mentees, or different people who are interested in research collaboration and use that as a good resource for that. Yeah, let's send that out to us and we'll tweet it out from Backtable and just make it available to anybody who needs it. I think it's a great initiative. Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. So where do we go from here, Justin? What are the next steps in the SIR Global Training Network and the summit in terms of kind of expanding what we're doing in this specialty? Yeah. So once we understand what the challenges and deficits are, our hope with this survey, we can actually help better tailor the SIR's actions or our goals to address those. If, for instance, the issue is lack of resources or funding, we can better tailor grants or funding resources from SIR to that area. We can also perhaps get industry support as well, because I think industry always have resources to help with training. If it's lack of education, we can always help collaborate with that region, that region's society to help create training programs or create workshops, conferences kind of tailored to deficits in terms of specific areas of education. Our hope is once we have enough respondents, right now the kind of the goal timeline we have is by end of summer or fall, we can actually publish the finding that we found through the survey and kind of really show what the challenges are in different regions. And then that'll help us kind of understand how to address those needs. Fantastic. Justin, that's really all I have. Is there anything else you want to tell us about the network or the summit or anything else for our listeners? Yeah, those are those are really the main things, you know, the global IR status survey, the summits. We are trying to expand IR awareness where the Global Training Network is also trying to do a regular kind of webinar series as well. Right now, we're trying to create a webinar understanding, you know, global IR training and specific areas of that. You know, right now, we're trying to create a topic on IR clinics. You know, that was actually one of my mentors, Dr. Vatican Cherry, was requesting that. So we're trying to get that up running within the next few months. That's a great idea. Man, that actually would be really interesting to see what that looks like in different places. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So keep an eye out for that. Fantastic. And, and just a reminder our listeners, please check out the survey. We'll tweet it out through the back table. Twitter page. And Justin, thank you. This is really exciting and really speaks well to the future of our specialty. For sure, Michael. I'm excited to see what IR is going to bring the next in the future. So I want to say, Michael, um, I'm really honored to be on this on the show because 
when I was a resident and fellow, I actually listened to the podcast religiously from Backtable, even the basic topics like how to place TDCs, G-tubes. When I was a trainee, it really helped to kind of learn how things were done, the different ways to do even a simple procedure. And so it was a great learning experience night. I'm really honored to be on the show today. Thank you, Justin. We appreciate that. It's one of the great things about our specialty is people say there's more than one ways to skin a cat. In IR, they're usually about 11. It's fun to talk about the different ways to do it. And we're honored to have you. And we're excited to see what you're doing in the next few years and beyond. And thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you again, Michael. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at at underscore Backtable on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Backtable is produced and hosted by myself, Aaron Fritz, and co-hosts Chris Beck, Sabine Don, Michael Barraza, Jacob Fleming, and Ali Behetti. Our audio team is led by Kieran Gannon with support from Josh McWhorter, Aaron Bowles, Nick Shellcross, and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz. Article and transcript support by Taylor Robinson. And Delaney Aguilar. Social media and PR by Ann Dang. Administrative support provided by Jim Louis Kinnebrew. Intro and extra music is Ripperoo by Skeptic Moon. Find us on Spotify or at local live music venues in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thanks again for listening. 